we are so excited to announce our 2021 Doxology and Theology Conference. For details about the conference, head over to our website, the newly designed biblicalworship.com. Welcome to the Doxology and Theology Podcast, presented by the Institute for Biblical Worship at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's right, I said the Doxology and Theology Podcast, a podcast for worship leaders who know that the gospel is so good, it has to be sung. I'm your host, Matthew Westerholm, Associate Professor of Church Music and Worship at Southern Seminary and the Executive Director of the Institute for Biblical Worship. On today's episode, we are dipping into our worship resources to bring you a clip from Aaron Ivey. Aaron Ivey is the worship pastor at the Austin Stone in Austin, Texas. Pastor Aaron is a songwriter and author, as well as an advocate for justice and mission. In this clip taken from our 2016 Doxology and Theology Conference, Pastor Aaron Ivey turns our attention to 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 7. Here's what the Word of God says. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, understand it, and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another. I get that earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality. I get that to one another without grumbling. That's a little bit harder. And then here's where it gets crazy in verse 18, as each, hear this, worship leader, hear this, pastor, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything, in everything, God may be glorified, through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Did you hear that? In order that in everything, God may be glorified. Again, on paper, it makes total sense. You and I have been given a gift, a talent, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. But in reality, how does that actually work? Like how in the world does a gifted businessman running a global company, right, and winning the applause of millions, how does he or she ever give glory to God and God alone? Like how in the world is my friend who's a professional athlete, right, who gets paid to like catch footballs and win trophies and has fortune, how does he actually give glory to God and God alone? How in the world does a songwriter who wins Grammys and fills up stadiums, how does he or she give glory to God alone? How could it be possible, right? In in the scope of like God's creation, how could it be possible that a worship leader gifted by God and filled with talent and ability, how could it be possible to strap on a wooden guitar 
plug it into a sound system, stand behind an SM58 with lights laser focus on him or her, standing on a stage that's well-decorated with rows of chairs of eyeballs looking at them, with applause between every song and a slide after each song that says the name of the person that wrote it. How does that person, how does a worship leader say, God, I want to glory in you and only you. I'm going to give glory to God and God alone. Like how? I'm saying for real. How in the world? How messed up is this bizarre job that God has given us that he would put us here. He'd entrust you with it. He'd call you to it. And then he'd say, but glory to me and me alone. The most counterintuitive idea that scripture could present to you and me, people that have these bizarre jobs, is this. Worship leader, in everything you do, glorify God and God alone. Like think of how often you and I try to glory rob God. How often we try to maneuver and strategize, right? Big buzzword in church and church stuff, strategize increase our followership, seek the approval and the applause of our sheep. Think of how often you and I reach for tweets and thumbs up, how often we wanna be known and credited for what we do. Like side note real quick, if, if there's one indication that you might be a glory robber today, it's when if you don't get the thumbs up or you don't get the credit or the applause that it buckles you and makes you wanna quit. Like if that's you, it might be a good indication that, that you're a glory robber. I am incredibly guilty of this. Like, hear me, I'm so guilty of this and I need more than anything to be reminded of my chief end, to glorify God alone. I mean, even as like, you know, last night was, was Al and then Scotty, incredible sermon. And I'm sitting on the front row and I leave over to Charlie and I'm like, I think somebody made a mistake by asking me to speak. They don't know I'm not that smart, right? There's this thing in me of like, well, man, I, I, wanna, I wanna be smart. I, I mean, I, I hope that I'm good. I hope it's awesome. Like, <laughs> I hope the morning session's awesome, you know? Even as I see words on the screen and I see who wrote each song after, there's this twinge of like, man, I, I wonder, I hope, songs that I, I write, like, I hope somebody knows that I wrote some songs. You know what I'm saying? It's so jacked up. It is so, so messed up. I'm incredibly guilty. And don't sit there and judge me because you are too, all right? You are too. So how do we do it? How do we do it? The great thing about God and scripture is he didn't say go do something without giving us the ability and infusing his Holy Spirit's power and then equipping us with the word of God to show us how to do it. So um, rest assured, this is not a hopeless sermon here, okay? First, understand this. First, understand this today, guys. Our temptation to give glory to other things or other people or ourselves, it is not a new temptation. Like you don't have a temptation, I don't have a temptation that suddenly in the scope of eternity is a new one to be interjected into humanity. It's a plague of humanity. It's been true since the beginning that we are prone to be glory thieves. 
There's a, a, a great story in, in the book of Exodus that I think would be a great place for us to kind of sit in for a few minutes this morning before, uh, before I, I wrap this up and give us some application. In Exodus 33, right? Exodus 33 is, is this incredible story that you're probably familiar with. And I mean, backing up just a little bit, like Exodus is one of the most fascinating books to me in, in the Bible. I, I love the book of Exodus in so many ways. Like I see how good God is and I see his faithfulness and his patience. Oh my gosh, his patience. But then I also see... Uh, these Israelites that are so fascinating to me. I think about how they experienced so much in their life post-slavery. They experienced so much, the incredible things. They saw crazy plagues. They saw the splitting of a sea. They saw water flowing from a rock. Hello, a stick turning into a snake. Fire, clouds, manna, quail. They saw incredible things. But somewhere near the end of the book of Exodus, you find these same people, the ones who experienced all the wonders of God, the miracles of God, but somehow it's not enough for them. So they're worshiping a golden cow. If you think about it on paper, that's so ironic that they've experienced these incredible miracles of God. And at the end of the story of Exodus, we see them sitting around worshiping a golden cow. You ever thought about why it was a cow? Like, why not a golden quail or a golden chunk of manna? You ever thought about why it was a cow? Do you remember what they worshiped when they were in slavery with Pharaoh? They, they worshiped cows. Like that was the custom was to worship cows. They literally experienced all these amazing things with God. And then they were so nostalgic of the old that in so many ways seemed more comfortable that at the end of this story in Exodus, they're, they're building a cow, remembering what had happened before and forgetting what God had done in the middle of it. Here's where I start to think Okay, I have a lot of similarities with the Israelites, but this is where I draw the line, okay? Like, I would never worship a golden cow. Like, I start to think, Israelites, you're so dumb. You're so silly. Like, you're so fickle. You forgot the plagues. You forgot the Red Sea. If I were there, right, if I were able to put my boots in dry dirt with pillars of water on my left and my right, and then see, look back and see, God close the sea and crush all my enemies. Like if I could see that, how in the world would I ever worship anybody else or anything else but the living God who just saved my life? Right, that's what I start to think. Like how could I want more than that? It'd be easy for me to glory in God if I saw him, it'd be easy to see how good he was, how much he deserved it, how, how frivolous it would be for me to want more. I mean, he did so much, enough really. How could I ever want more? How could I ever worship or glorify anybody else, especially a cow made out of melted rings? But we do, don't we? We do, like, like we forget how good God is. And in our thirsty, hungry, insatiable thirst for more, like we forget how good God is. I'm, I've struggled with like even telling you the story because there's two responses. The older brothers in the room are going to judge me like crazy. Okay. The younger brothers in the room are going to be tempted to say, oh man, I'm not so bad anyway. That guy's messed up. Right. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Right. So about a year ago, 
I was going through a season of just like burnout, honestly, like just doubt. Like you ever have those moments where you wake up and you're like, is my, like, am I doing anything that really counts for the kingdom of God? Like, am I just a mediocre worship leader writing mediocre songs with not much to say? Like, does it really count for anything in the world? Anybody else ever felt like that in their entire life? Bravery. You guys are the brave younger brothers in the room, right? Older brothers are like, no, nah, man, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So I was having this season, right, where I just felt like, man, God, I, I, I wish you would, I wish you'd use me like, you know, use like other people. I wish that you would, I wish you'd just do cooler stuff, you know? And my, my wife, who is like one of the godliest people that I know, just, you know, in, in a loving way said, um, you're one of the most selfish people I've ever met in my life right now. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. That's, that's very helpful. Thank you. So we, we took, I took about a week off just to kind of like get, get all of my junk together in my head and right, really like spend time at the feet of Jesus with him, asking him to recenter me, you know? And so we went on a little like little getaway thingy and we were out having dinner one night and it was awesome. And me and Jane were just able to like, it was confession. It was repentance. I was able to say like, I'm really struggling with this and I know it's wrong. I just feel like I should be doing more. You know, I want, I want more from God. And she's just shaking her head like you are an idiot, you know? So we get done with dinner and uh, we go back to the hotel and the room that we were in, we open it up and the TV was on and it was tuned to some Christian channel like Daystar or something like that. Right. And I don't know how it got on Daystar. We, I don't think we were watching Daystar before we went and ate dinner, but Daystar was on and, and the, the music was just filling the room. It was like loud, right? And there was no lights on. It was just this big screen on the wall playing Daystar. And it was this massive concert. It was like a, a, a arena full of people and they were singing this song. And Jamie looks at me and she says, you, do you hear that? Like, do you? do you hear what they're, they're singing? And so I walked in and it was a group of people I didn't recognize in a city I probably had never heard of, just this room full of people singing. And she said, that's a, that's a song that you wrote. And in that moment, there was not one single bit of pride that filled my heart. There was not one bit of being puffed up or thinking, yeah, you're dang right, that's awesome. Not one single bit. I literally fell to the side of the bed and I felt so much sorrow for wanting more. And I felt the Holy Spirit of God in that moment press on my heart in such a real way as if to say, Aaron, am I not enough? Aaron, is, is this not enough too? Is it not enough to walk into a room and, and hear somebody singing a song that, that I gave anyway? It's not really yours. Is that not enough? So, so Aaron, what would be enough? Like, is it not just enough to simply be my son? I got so convicted by that because in that honest moment, I realized that who cares? Like, if you had the most amount of money and the most amount of fame and success and you had the most of whatever it is that your heart longs for, it still wouldn't be enough. It never could be. If you're daring enough, if you're honest enough, 
You can easily see golden cows littering the landscape of your life. I can. And they're all vowing for your attention. They are begging to be glorified. So as much as we want to roll our eyes at the silly Israelites and wonder, how could you give glory to a cow and forget what God has done for you? The story of Exodus is my story. The story of Exodus is your story. Many of us in this room, you could, you could pinpoint in your lives um, times where God has split an ocean for you and you walked through it and you saw his faithfulness, right? You can pinpoint those times of his faithfulness and still say, God, I'm looking directly at a golden cow today and I wished I had more. I'm not fully satisfied because I stopped looking at you. That's a hard place to stop, but if you would like to hear the rest of this message from Aaron Ivey entitled, Glory to God Alone, go to our website, biblicalworship.com and click podcast, click around and find the show notes for season one, episode 12. And we're happy to share with you the entire thing for free. That is what we have for you this time on the Doxology and Theology Podcast. Our show is produced by Evan Jarms, engineered by Mark Norris and Caleb Sherwood, and the music is by our good friends at Murphy DX. Until next time, this is Dr. Matthew Westerholm reminding you that the gospel is so good, it has to be sung. Peace be with you.